John Wick Chapter 3 once again tries to up the ante with spectacular action set pieces and intricate world building, but for the first time in the series, there are a few stumbles along the way. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is David. CVG Passum Parabellum. I really thought you were going to go with I Serve and I... I, well, I mean, it was 50-50. It was 50-50, but I, I, I really... I really wanted to go with the Latin there. All right, all right. Because they said because they said the surf thing a few times. That that came mm-hmm. up uh, a number of times. But yeah, so we are, of course uh, our movie podcast. We're working through the John Wick franchise right now. This is going to be John Wick Three Parabellum. Um, mm-hmm. I will say when they eventually said Parabellum with the subtitles, and the subtitles have been kind of this stalish thing that all the entries have had. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's what the Parabellum comes. That's actually kind of neat. Okay, I'll. I, I, I like the fact that it gives a setting of, okay, here's what Parabellum means. But I also dislike the fact that so far, this is the only John Wick, including four coming out next week. That, that's the, that's the, see, see if they had subtitles from like this one on, I'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, I can live with that. But the fact that it's went back to subtitles with chapter four is, on an yep. OCD level, is a little annoying but it's, a, it's the sort of thing where like you're gonna have the spines of all the movies lined up uh-huh. on like your shelf yeah. and then that one's just gonna be ever so slightly different you're like ah yeah hate it son of a bitch son of a bitch so yes uh john wick 3 this is the one that i hadn't seen i'd seen the first two before Same. so this was a, a first time uh first time th- well you hadn't seen any of them right so this was oh yeah but i still haven't seen it <laughs> but yeah so it picks up pretty much right after the end of the second movie obviously we'll start spoiler free for this movie but there may be some spoilers for two and one because inherently it falls straight on from those so i think it'll be hard to not talk about those two a little bit but yep. uh yeah so the end of the second movie of course uh john wick was excommunicado uh big contract going out on him in an hour's time where i like all- how you say there might be spoilers and then you just say the big <laughs> thing at the end <laughs> well that's just how the movie starts he's on the no, run you're right. because the, the clock's you're ticking right. down to when all the assassins are going to come after him like it's kind of the, the it's the it's the thing it's the only thing i can say about this one <laughs> yeah i mean you're right it has to happen but it's just <laughs> yeah well i mean i was accurate there may be spoilers yeah. there was i i, I was covered uh but yeah that's where the movie starts off and john wick's mm. on the run and we see just how he's going to tackle this situation and there's obviously more stuff that's all i'm really going to say premise wise before we you know eventually get to the spoilers yeah honestly this movie in terms of like getting into the plot and like what he actually does i think it lasts maybe like five minutes it gives like zero setup it just expects you to have seen the last movie and it it's does, like okay yeah. good hit the ground running let's go and I think in a world where it's so easy to watch stuff on streaming or rent stuff online, it's mm-hmm. like almost more understandable that they expect you to just catch up. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I think in a single movie series, it's relatively reasonable to expect that. I think it gets a bit murkier when you have like the MCU where at this point we're 30 movies in and there's like 10 TV shows now. And it's like, no, this is actual homework. This is like, a, this is a, this is a third mm-hmm. job keeping up with all this shit. I, I think that it's one thing to expect if you go in to see a chapter three or yes. a three any movie, you're expected to see one and two. But like, yeah, MCU, 
if you go into Ant-Man, maybe you didn't see Avengers. Maybe you didn't see Doctor Strange because you only would have been expected to yeah. see the first Ant-Man. I mean, I think Avengers is a weird choice because that's the one that I assume everyone will have seen. But yeah, I, I get your meaning. Like, yeah. you know, you go to see Ant-Man 3. Oh, you didn't watch WandaVision? Well, sucks to be you because <laughs> you won't understand why this is happening. See, you say that, but I have yet to see Doctor Strange 2. And uh-huh. I feel like WandaVision may have been required for that. It was, yes. Uh, so, but anyway, this is John Wick Chapter 3. Yes. We're going to get into it, uh, and we'll give our thoughts and feelings, and we'll talk about all the things that we talk... Like, I mean, there's kind of a structure that I talk about movies anyway. Typically, there's a list of things that I'll go through in the spoiler-free section, which is, you know, general feelings, the cast, the direction, and then whatever else is relative. So, in, you know, in this case, action set pieces and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into the spoilers. So, uh, But I feel like because we're doing this series, we're very specifically talking about the exact same categories each time because they're yeah. always valid and they're worth comparing to the previous movies. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. So, so uh, David, that's your name. Yes. What is, yeah. uh, what is your feelings on John Wick 3 Parabellum? Well, after 21 episodes, I'm glad you remember my name. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> <That> this... <laughs> But sometimes my humor is lost on people, okay? That was no, an yeah, intentional intentional little rib, okay? I gotcha. Um, okay, so the last movie I gave a little bit of flack for in that I felt that the choreography was slightly lacking, just in terms mm-hmm. of the first movie felt like pretty much a dance, where this one felt more reliant on the setting itself. I think this movie increased the choreography. I don't think it was relying on the setting anymore. It got back to where I feel the first movie was. That being said, what I praised the last movie for was the tight-knit plot and how I felt that everything made sense of one right after another after another. This one felt a bit looser in that regard. This one felt a bit more of go to A so you can go to B, and then at B he's told go to C, and then once he's at C Mm. he says go to D, and it just kind of is this long scavenger hunt that it felt like John is being dragged through rather than wanting to actively make it from A to B to C in order to complete a larger goal. Yes, there is a larger goal he's going after, but it feels like it changes slightly over the course of each time he gets to a new checkpoint. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on the action front, like I I would say that it still uses its environment. I think it just, Mm -hmm. it just, it just marries the environment and the choreography even more. Arguably the actions at its peak for certain sequences in this movie, it feels that they're just having fun and like sort of figuring out new ways to be inventive and do new things with, Mm -hmm. in some cases, just like, okay, this time he has a partner for a scene. This time uh, we're using a motorbike. This time we're using lots of knives. Like, you know, there's just yeah. moments like that where it's like, okay, they're being inventive, they're thinking of new situations. Um, and even when you think something might be similar to the previous a previous scene in one of the other movies, because, oh, there's a lot of glass in this room. Is that just going to be like the Hall of Mirrors from the second one? No, it felt yeah. completely different and distinct. They used it in a completely different way and it felt like the glass was much more of a, a practical part of it rather than just being a setting. So, yeah. uh, action, great. Um, I do agree I have some plot issues with this one, or maybe mythology issues is maybe a better way. I, I kind of agree with the, the, the go to A to B to C and each time it's like, here's your new mm. sort of direction. Um, I think this one has a pacing problem again. It's not the same pacing problem as the first movie where that crescendoed no. too early and had like this after part. I think this one dips in the middle and I think it dips along with the mythology problem I have, which is just generally... It gets a little too fantastical almost with some of its uh like yeah. lore. Like I think in the second movie, 
it was building this mythology of this world that he's in and it always felt like it was based in somewhat relative grounded world with rules and all that stuff and there's a point in this movie and i won't spoil the context of it but i'll just say there's a very lawrence of arabia moment of like john wick going through a desert searching for like the magical person that <laughs> i just i'm like what are we doing i don't like this <laughs> yeah that's that's the one point where it felt like it was like all right in the first movie, we set up this vague higher power, this vague governing body. Yeah. In the second movie, they really elaborated on that. They really said, here's how the governing body works, and it's very laid out. And this one, they said, okay, we've already established the governing body. How do we build it even higher? And what it basically comes down to is the governing body has their own governing body. And it's like, well, all right, then just what are we doing anymore? Yeah, I, I didn't like. It, it, honestly, like, I think the first half hour of action is fantastic. Oh, I yeah. I think once John kind of goes more on the run properly and like travels after that, I think it lulls. And I don't necessarily. There's, there's, don't worry, there's a fun action scene in the middle of it with uh, like a part. I won't get into it too much, but there's a partner and like, even some dogs involved. That mm-hmm. action scene's pretty good. But everything else kind of around this like portion of his story in the movie, where he's in Casablanca and then he goes to the desert and all that stuff. That for me is the that it's like a forty minute chunk. It's a good hefty chunk of the movie. I think yep. that is like a very big low point for me, and I was a little bit worried because I thought, oh, I don't know if this is going to clot back for me. Luckily, I do think the last act and what it does, uh, plot wise at that point, I do think is quite good and interesting, and makes makes an interesting pivot in like what the what what John is expected to do and kind of like where it goes. I. I agree. It goes back to what we were saying before about how it sets up the rules and then breaks them so that we get new interesting uh, types of combat out of that. I do think that what is primarily the main antagonist group of the movie, by the time we reach the end, kind of feels like, shouldn't they all be dead by now? (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I I do think a couple of the the key villains that are introduced in this uh, in different Mm -hmm. roles... I don't think they're that great. I think they're kind of like just serviceable for what they are in the plot. Um, mm-hmm. There's the uh, adjudicator who I think is just that they're trying really hard to make her come across as like super in power and evil and whatever. And I just kind of feel like it was trying too hard with her. I didn't feel like it was she was in power, but I felt she was she was just the person with the rule book who it's like, look, I don't care w- like what specifically happens, but I'm here to lay down the law when you break the rules. And it's not even them mm. personally. It's just they make a call and have someone else come in and do it. I think it was just the way like like the way like the aura around her was treated when she oh, came yeah. into the scenes and things like that. I was just I wasn't quite feeling i feel like she, she was just trying a bit too hard with her I thought for some reason she had the same aura for me that I just imagined her as like a kid like being a dungeon master and she's like well um actually the rules say that you can't do that on your turn yeah I, yeah i wasn't really feeling hard there's sort of like a rival assassin who's kind of the main one for this movie zero who mm-hmm. like he's fine but I, I don't think he had the presence that uh maybe it, the movie wanted him to have it took me a full hour of this movie to figure out where i saw him before oh, what was he in before he is like the main host presenter guy on iron chef who goes way over the top like all the time that makes his introduction uh, make more sense to me though yeah telling mm-hmm. me that because he is introduced as a chef so fair yeah. enough okay i just remember there's a meme where like the secret ingredient they have to use is beer somehow in their meal and he just goes way over the top like he's like and the secret ingredient is and then there's all the big music it unveils and he goes beer <laughs> 
like, yep, that's the guy. He's a bit jovial in this for like the rival assassin, you know? So I did want to ask you about that. Uh, yes, he's the rival assassin for th- three movies now, including this one. You've been asking for the anti-John Wick. Do you feel that he's reached? Because he certainly feels he reached that. He feels like he's the anti-John Wick. No, I don't think we've reached it yet. I don't think we've reached no. the, the equal to John Wick yet. Which is actually right. almost impressive that they've went three movies and not given me that ultimate badass, like, evil version of John Wick who's going to go toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with him. It's actually impressive they're not went to that well. Which, you know, it's still open for four and five, so... I was going to say, you'll see what it. happens next week with it. Go for it. Um, I do think what the, where this leaves off for the for the next movie is quite interesting. It's definitely clearly expected to get one because it is very oh, much yeah. set up stuff at the end. Uh, and maybe that's like the ultimate criticism of it is that I felt too worked really well as a movie on its own, but then also set up this really cool idea for the third one. This mm. one I felt like it was dealing with the ending of two and setting up four, and had some great action in it, but like the actual plot, I don't think was all that satisfying on its own, especially in the middle. Like I said, yeah, there was no point in this movie where you felt it could have just completely been the end of the story. Yeah. Like by the time they were done wrapping up with two, they were already setting up four. Yeah. So I, I think, and that is a bit of an indictment. And in I think two is still, a, if anything, I think two is more satisfying than one is as a full meal, as a full mm-hmm. chapter of the story. Whereas this one feels like it is a bit more kind of an in between movie, which is, which is kind of a shame. I, I was kind of this hoping that I was going to just feel like it was, and I still like it. I still like a lot of what's in it. And I'm still, you know, into it for four. Like, I'm, this has not put me in a negative place for four like i think four could very well equally this might be a franchise where we come out of it and go yeah all the even numbered ones like those are the, <laughs> those are the best ones and That's yeah fair. and that happens sometimes you know like people say that about star trek that the even numbered ones are, are by and mm. large the better ones but with, with, with an odd exception here or two but uh <laughs> so it's interesting to see uh halle berry's in this as well of course and we'll get to her yep. role properly in spoilers um traditionally not a good actress to be honest <laughs> she's you know, just... I mean, she's she's obviously had enough success that she is considered to still be a grab when you can get her. But yeah, there's a lot more misses than hits. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess she was just kind of this, you know, big star, maybe for her modeling role and her acting when she first kind of came into things. Yeah, and... this struck me. It struck me Halle Berry being in this movie the same sort of way that like. Clint Eastwood was in Dirty Harry in the same way that I feel like Keanu Reeves honestly was at the beginning of this franchise where it's just mm. hey I kind of want to reinvent myself as just the badass sure, again. can sure. I get back to that yeah um don't get me wrong I do think some of the world building is still interesting in that it does feel like he's got a couple of characters around the world now who might pop back back in later and like mm-hmm. help in a future movie and that that is kind of interesting and I appreciate that um I th- I think what this movie does the most in terms of the other characters is it basically shows that, yes, John Wick was an insatiable badass who killed everyone that he was hired to kill, but he also did favors along Mm. the way. He also built up goodwill in just the general community. Yeah. Because everyone seems to owe him something. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as anything else goes, the cinematography is still very much on point. There's some great sequences uh, mm-hmm. especially early on. There's some really uh, unique locations for fight scenes, I would say. Um, yeah. Later on, there's, there's some more elaborate locations that they've designed. Like I say, the, the room that's all glass, for example. Like, it feels like they were like, 
you're not into that not into the glass uh, i don't know it struck me the same sort of way as like the hall of mirrors scene i know you say it's different and it is different in how they deal with it but it just struck me as like we just want to make it even if it makes no sense as to why they're there we want to make it a cool thing that they can do and it does look cool it's great but like the only reasoning we get is that i think winston says at one point it's like this room was made when it is absolutely critical that everyone's uh hands are able to be seen and like there's nothing that's under the table i guess but it just seems like mm. okay you don't have to justify having a cool looking room like i get it you want to just fight in this area so you would at have one... just preferred that he had not said that like it's just it's just here that's it i i don't know if i would have preferred he'd not said it but the fact that he did say it made me, it drew my attention to the fact of, okay, but like, is there really justification for Honestly, like the, the doors and all this stuff outside the actual meeting room? All the stairs have to be glass as well. Like everything has to be glass. Honestly, I have less a problem with this room because at least it's a secret of room. My bigger problem with the Continental in this one is that there's now this sort of big lobby area that's like a train station that I don't remember like ever feeling like it was there in the first two movies. Yes, I agree. I, I always <laughs> assumed that like the main hallway, because we always pretty much got the same like two, three shots in that main hallway. We got from Sharon's point of view down yep. the hall, and then we got them walking up it in the other direction. And then they were just sent off to other areas of the Continental. I feel like this is the first time that we've actually seen the side angle where it's oh no there is this big open space that we have just yeah. neglected to talk about because most hotel lobbies are pretty big yeah yeah they, they typically have a lot of room for traffic you know foot traffic going yeah. through and stuff I, yeah um you know i won't spoil what it is yet i'll save it for spoilers but i will say there is a moment in this where they straight up have keanu quote himself from the matrix and uh, and I'm not gonna lie, like, I, I, I think if you told me he was going to do that, I'd have rolled my eyes. I actually think in the moment it, it kind of works. Uh, I mean, I specifically wrote it down because I thought it was a moment that we, it fits in perfectly contextually, to what the scene needs. Yeah, contextually, it completely worked, and it felt like, you know, we're gearing up for Act 3. And I like the gearing up for Act 3. This is the weird thing about this, is that I think Act 1 and 3 are really strong, and I really enjoyed them for the action. I enjoyed them for the interplay of John Wick and the characters that he's been around for the pre previous movies. The new characters, I don't really like that much, which isn't a big deal, as because they're just there to be, you know, to fight anyway, Yeah, for the most part. But... That middle act, that and that's the biggest part, unfortunately, is this this journey to Casablanca and then the journey to see someone in the desert, and it all just feels like there's a moment where he's talking to this person that he's been going to see in the desert, and he's you know he's like I mean you know, we're in a tent in the desert, and he's mm -hmm. I, I don't know I just like all of it just feels a bit too gimmicky and fantastical in a way that I I just I don't think fits with what I felt I liked about this franchise. Yeah, that really is the thing, is that the whole movie, it builds itself, even within this movie, but the franchise overall builds itself on procedure, builds itself on rules, mm. and especially this movie leans into how important the rules are. But then when it comes to that character in the desert, it just kind of goes to a, you'll know it when you feel it sort of thing, and it just seems so out of place. It just feels like it's a villain who's in charge of the world who can make decisions in a way that it kind of goes against when we, th when we thought the table was the head of all this, right? And now there's a person mm -hmm. above the table. I, mm -hmm. It, it kind of felt like, okay, there's these rules in place that they all follow, and it's kind of this system where everyone at the table presumably is equal, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what makes it interesting. Uh, whereas here, this felt a bit more like, I don't know, going to see the king and like 
asking for a decision on something and it just it felt i don't know yeah it struck me in the same sort of way as like i guess if we're going by like actual government terms there's a difference between like the legislative house or parliament and then there's the president slash king or queen where mm-hmm. there's someone who's just above that other decision making ability because you need to have there be someone who can make a fast decision someone who can make the like break ties and stuff like that who can deal with any infighting and i yeah. get that from a like a lore building perspective it makes sense to have that but i don't like how they just made him this fantastical element yeah no like see, see if it was just a guy in like a tower in like a city <laughs> mm-hmm. right and they didn't treat it like because even the guy that they go see before him um like the one that Halle Berry used to work for and it's the place that makes the coins and the uh the little what do you call them the mm-hmm. The markers. the markers yeah um like even him i thought was a bit over the top like the way he had like the first coin they ever made on display and he kind of talked about it as if it was poetic i was like mm. i don't know you're kind of losing me a little bit here this guy's a little bit again just too he's waxing lyrically about like the history of this and it feels a little bit less i mean that one actually kind of worked for me because what we set up in the last movie was that we had the one woman going to her ceremony to be basically brought into the high table. And it was this big showy thing. It was concerts Mm. and raves and all that. It struck me more as the higher you get up this hierarchy, the less you actually really deal with the inner workings of it, the more you're just kind of sitting above it and you just enjoy the high life, more or less. So it made sense to me that he's, you know, waxing poetically. He he spends his money on these trivial things and whatnot. Mm. He feels above the entire system. That much worked for me. What got me, though, is that, like I said, by the time we got up to the highest on highs, the one above the table, it it didn't strike me as him being above everything. It struck me more as him being completely outside it. It was mm. he was not even within the same game we've been playing all along. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, one com- one comparison, I think, that did it well, and this is a strange thing to bring up. Uh, did you watch the Pirates movies? I saw the first one, and maybe okay. the second. So in the third one, they get this whole Council of Pirates thing going on, and it's, you know, a little weird. It does whatever, but there's one guy who comes in, and he's essentially just the one who makes sure that the rules are followed. He's kind of like the educator in this movie. But he stays out of everything else. He lets the council do their own thing. It's only once they start suggesting that the rules are broken that he stands up. And he doesn't even say anything, but just his presence is menacing. It it causes everyone else to back down and they immediately say, okay, no, rules need to be followed. That's how I feel that the uh, guy above the table should have been here, where he's just a menacing presence. Instead, we got this weird sort of like, almost deity sort of figure instead yeah i didn't like how they handled this character at all and i wasn't super mm-hmm. into the guy they went to see before this that i mentioned either but yeah uh, it just it felt like it was going down this rabbit hole of being more almost mystical and it's not actually mystical but it kind of presents it in a mystical way mm-hmm. uh where it's like you know go through the desert and when you get to the edge of the desert look up to the sun and the, he shall respond and i'm like just piss off like i hate this uh, so yeah, yeah there's, there's actual things in the middle of this movie that I was actively kind of hating, uh, which mm-hmm. is a shame because once it gets back to New York City, once it gets back to sort of the more brass tacks of like making choices and 
where do we stand in this like system and conflict and all that like i was like okay i'm more into this again and i i like these yep. decisions that are being made so um yeah uh, i guess we'll get into spoilers i don't know if there's much more we can talk about without getting into the the meat of it. um the only thing i said this in the last movie with the mirrors and all that is that you can tell that there must have been a lot of vfx artists in order to scratch out all of the cameras that must have been appearing in reflections i feel like they just hired on everyone again they're like hey guys remember how we made you deal with all the reflections in glass <laughs> boy how do we have a job for you and i i gotta say there was nothing in this movie save for one particular sequence that i think the vfx really stood out for and the sequence that kind of made me pause and say all right that's a bit much is the motorcycle ninja sequence yeah well there was a couple of moments when he was on the motorbike where either i was noticing a stunt double for keanu reeves mm. or i was noticing just some wonky deep fake where they were trying to make it keanu reeves yeah <laughs> either way there was something off about the face that was that was sticking out to me it wasn't even the face so much for me it was just the general action overall like it felt kind mm. of rubbery in a way okay that I can't, I can't exactly say what it was, but it was just too much in something. And that was the only part where I feel like, you know, they literally could not have done this 100% practically. Yeah. It is completely unfeasible. But I feel like they relied a bit too much on the VFX for it. Uh, that's probably fair. There are parts of that, that chasing that I do like, and I'll, I'll talk about that when mm -hmm. we get to it. But um, I get what you're saying overall. Like, it had to be a bit more effects heavy just because of what it is. Yeah. Uh, and, you know so uh but yeah we'll get into things so full spoilers for john wick chapter three you have been warned so yeah the movie starts off he's running in the rain with the dog uh he quite quickly gets rid of the dog though he he pays a taxi driver to take the dog to the continental why do we even have the dog <laughs> like when they were writing this script they must have known they had like they needed to be known this is where we're going with the next chapter why did he get the dog back I just, that's the part that gets me. I don't know either. Uh, but he's like, no, the dog needs to be kept safe while I go off and do whatever I'm doing to survive. Uh, mm -hmm. And he runs quickly to the library, the big New yes. York library, and he asks for a specific book. He's got something stashed in a book in the library, some book that no one would ever check out. He's got some stuff stashed. He's got his marker, mm -hmm. a couple of coins, um, and, the cross. Uh, and the cross that he's going to use for something. Uh, and we get and a her, picture of his wife and a picture of his wife which i'll be honest at this point it does come up a bit more later but at this point i was sort of thinking to myself like you know what the death of your wife at this point feels so far removed from whatever yeah. we're doing now <laughs> like, well we actually didn't mention it last movie um but his phone that he watched all the videos on got broken in the middle yeah. of one of the fights so he actually does not have any current way to remember his wife outside of that like in any sort of physical means yeah yeah now he's just it's just his mind it's just his memory of her that he's yep. got effectively mm -hmm. which does come up later on uh but we get our first fight scene in the library where uh there's like maybe 10 minutes left on this hour before the, the it starts where everyone's allowed to go after him and yep. this big guy shows up and he's just kind of like you know what it's close enough no one will know that i was early and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, if it's close enough and no one's here to see it, then yeah, you could yeah. argue. Like, the, the forensics can only get it so close if they even bother to check. <laughs> like, And I'm sure they wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so we get this fight, which, you know, I enjoy this fight scene, particularly how it ends, because this is how you use a book in a very inventive way. He, mm -hmm. So John Wick uses a book, 
first of all, he does that thing where he sort of hammers it in with his hand, but he does it into the guy's mouth. So he's got the book in the guy's mouth and he hammers it in. Yep. And the guy's mouth looks a bit like, like his jaw's maybe broken or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then it ends with him placing the book on a table, putting the guy's uh, neck onto the book, and then punching him so hard in the head that it breaks his neck. Yep. I enjoyed this. I cannot say that it was not inventive. It was different from anything in the past couple of movies. Is is this how you properly do a library research scene? Is this it? <laughs> yes. This is, this is a good library research scene. <laughs> yep. Um, it is worth noting during that fight scene, the guy pulls a knife and stabs John in the shoulder, which John goes through the entire fight just being like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And it's only once the scene is done where he's like, crap, ow, that kind of hurt. Do you know, that actually comes, strikes me as believable because of the adrenaline. Like, I, I buy that you wouldn't notice it too much until you have a time to stop and process it. It, it does, and I'm I 100% am okay with it, but there we get to a certain point in these movies where I think John might have that neurological disease where like he just can't feel pain oh yeah i mean if anything it's the only way he could do this yeah <laughs> is if he's not feeling pain because he, he goes through a lot of shit uh yeah. over the course of these movies uh so yeah he does this and then he goes to like the the doctor that i think we saw in the previous movie i think it's the same like character i don't think it's the same guy oh fair enough uh but he's like please i need i need this like wound stitched up he's like no sorry i can't like they'll 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 be mad if i do it he's like no i've got five mm. minutes left i can you're good for five minutes so the the clock runs out while he's putting the stitches in and then john has to finish the stitches on his own uh mm. but the doctor still points out where the medication is that he can take and insists that john shoot him a couple times so that it doesn't look like he just helped him and yeah. uh john does so uh very. I think I I feel like that scene's pretty much a comedy beat because he's just basically telling John it's like yeah go ahead and shoot me right under the rim but make sure you don't hit the ah okay yeah but uh, this is the thing they've set up John Wick so well that I believe he actually did follow his instructions and made sure they weren't you know fatal oh, or yeah. ultra damaging wounds like he knew what he should you know, yeah absolutely he, he knew what he was doing uh so I mean yeah he's racing around there's more guys start chasing him he ends up in a like a a stable where the the carriages for the city well, are first is the pawn shop fight or the oh is that first the knives yeah the knife fight oh so well yeah because there's like classical guns and he's looking for a gun and he, he gets like one shot after he reassembles a gun out of this old you know six sure uh, i feel like that scene was because obviously keanu went through a whole bunch of training on like guns and stuff like that for all of these movies mm-hmm. i feel like that scene was purposely made of like watch how fast he can reassemble this gun just for this one shot we're not going to use it again, but we're just going to take the time to show how good with arms he's gotten. I like how you said it's just for one shot. That applies to both the gun firing one bullet and also one shot in the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, he ends up in this list, the, the hallway in here, that's like, just like a bunch of cases to the left and right, which are all full of like knives and, you know, swords and, and yeah, yeah, various things. And it becomes this thing where he's fighting, and you're thinking, okay, we've seen him use a knife before, because he's done that thing in every movie. And he does it here eventually as well, where he hammers it in, you know, into someone mm-hmm. to stab them. But this scene is like, no, no, this is all knives. And they even have like the beat where they pause in mid-fight and then both smash like the glass to get some knives. And we get to a point where not only is he stabbing people with knives, and he's using like, you know, one dude to block the other dude when he's throwing knives at him. He's basically yeah. just firing knives so quickly at people that it's almost like a gunshot, where he's just like throwing knives and we get one guy's like just like riddled in knives and another guy gets mm-hmm. riddled in knives. And then the scene ends with him just slowly putting a knife into a guy's eye. So it's like yeah. almost a horror movie moment where he's the gore of the knife get out of the eye. 
maybe honestly do... this may be my favorite action scene in the whole movie is the snape scene yeah no it's super high octane <laughs> and what i really like about it is that it's obvious that john is not like super proficient at this stuff he's good he's able to make it work but like a lot of the knives he throws just end up hitting hilt first and they just bounce off the guys mm. and it's only like a couple shots that really land it's only once he's able to use other people as shields and get back into close combat that he's actually effective yeah. at taking these guys yeah, out. Yeah, I really like that, actually, yeah, that not every knife lands blade first, so there's kind of, mm-hmm. like, a, a success rate to it. It's the same thing later on, actually, when he's fighting guys in body armor, where he's shooting them, but he realizes quickly that the bullets are just kind of bouncing off, so he has to, like, aim for the neck and stuff like that, where the armor's at their yep. weakest, because that's where they have to be able to move. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it becomes this strategical thing of, like, trying to find the right spot to shoot them uh this was kind of the same thing with the knives it's like oh no it's not going to work every time he has to kind of keep keep trying yeah. at it but it feels he like just... it feels like it gets more successful as the scene goes on though it feels like by the time you get to the end of the scene he's starting to like get, get a feel for it so he's like yeah throwing them better I, I feel like that's probably like if john had to have a superpower that's the thing is that he's just extremely effective at learning how weapons work yes. and how to properly use them yeah, so all that stuff is great, and then he ends up in the stables, and he's fighting guys in and around the horses, and he does this twice where he like slaps a horse so that the horse will kick its back legs and just f someone. Obviously, there's a visual effect here to do this because you couldn't do it otherwise, but it looks yeah. good, and it's a really funny death. It's a it's a good way to kill someone. <laughs> you know, I I really also appreciate at this point in the movie is that he's in New York City. Yes, like they obviously had this idea of let's have him use horses as a weapon and they just had to figure out how to make that work and obviously there are like police that use horses in new york there are like carriage rides and stuff like that horses do exist in central new york city i like the fact that they thought of that rather than yeah. just saving it for a later scene where it would make more sense that there would be horses around because there are plenty of later scenes that would make more sense but they took the time to be like no 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 this is clearly where the horses are supposed to be coming from they make it make sense rather than it just being like and in the middle of new york a random stable yeah and it also kind of fits with the theme of the idea of like the continental and this like underworld of assassins and the city the idea that in the middle of the city there is actually a stable so because and it's for reasons because there's horse carriage rides that go around central park or yeah. or whatever else there's a reason for it but it's the idea that there's this relic in the middle of the city of this olden time are surrounded by the modern metropolis of new york i think it mm-hmm. kind of almost fits the idea of like the central assassins like building in the middle of the city that's you know yeah surrounded by the regular world i don't know there's something like that don't get me wrong yeah. we're at a point in this movie where there's so many hidden assassins that it's starting to feel like there's more assassins in the world than there are regular people but that's well, you know <laughs> that was pretty much the entire final scene in the last movie it's like okay yeah. everyone here cool great awesome <laughs> um that that was one thing in this movie that i do appreciate is the fact that there are plenty of places he goes and you know it's it's full of places people i mean that are in on this that are in this world but i feel like there are just as many especially when he comes back to new york at the end of the movie that are just bystanders and we finally do get that scene of what happens if the bystanders get in the way of an attack mm. which i i think says more about john as a character in this world than it does anything else that they do yeah um i almost like this first half hour of the movie almost makes me wish it was a simpler plot where you can still sort of end like the third act can mostly still be the same 
but mm-hmm. I almost wish it was just a gauntlet of him getting through the city, like back to the continental, with with him like going through these varieties of locations and like finding himself with different styles of weaponry, different locations, different types of people that are coming after him. And you know, because when he uh, you know he leaves this scene and he's on the horse, and we get like a like a horse chase scene where he mm-hmm. literally like like sort of slides and sort of like is alongside the horse as it's riding and shoots from underneath the horse's neck to get the guy yeah. in the motorbike. It's a really inventive, like, fun moment. And it's like, it does have that kind of, like, you're treating this horse like it's, like, the, I don't know, like, like you're on the side of a car or something, the way you're yeah. hanging off of it. Uh, it looked cool, you know? It was, it was fun. Yeah, no, I, there was a webcomic I read God knows how long ago, which basically was stating how, I think it was Crank was the movie that just came out. And they were like, yeah, you know, I like Crank, but it just, it wasn't enough action. And they're like, what do you mean? Crank is like all action all the time. It's like, no, no, no. It's like certain percentages just talking. And the movie that they said in the webcomic was Summer Glau just goes and beats up everybody. Like, because I guess they really like Summer Glau as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like that's what this movie probably should have been is just, yeah, no, literally everyone is after John. And like you said, he just needs to go through the gauntlet and the movie. Yes, it can pause for plot related reasons. Yes, there can be like talking scenes regarding his excommunication. And as we see later, other characters getting in trouble for helping him. But the movie like you said during that second act takes just too long of a pause in the action itself yeah because as soon as he walks into that uh russian ballet theater mm-hmm. it just kind of like comes to this grinding halt and it's yeah it's kind of a shame and it, i i feel like yeah if you just have this gauntlet of him going through the city keep it a bit simpler keep him in this kind of setting that you know mm-hmm. clearly this movie shows in this opening half hour that there's so much variety that you can do in the setting of a city like New York. There's so many things and places yeah. you can go through that I don't think it would have ever gotten dull in that sense. Um, and instead, we go on this mystical journey of him trying to find, you know... The... Like, if the, entire, if the entire goal of the movie was him to get to Casablanca, get to a place that he believes is safe for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a much better overall plot rather than he gets there for the second act and then he's trying to... Basically, this movie... What we want from it is him getting to safety is the overall goal where the movie decides, no, that's the first act goal. And the overall goal is him setting up a more permanent form of safety. Well, here's the thing, right? So now I'll save this for later. I'll save it for when we're talking about the third okay. act. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, he, he he basically he's got his ticket. We find out that he come up through this rushing sort of like training facility. We have an actual name for him of Jardani Jananovich. Janovich. I was going to go with John Wick. Thank you very much. But yes. Uh... Fair enough. I'm just, I find it surprising <laughs> that this character do, has just a totally different name and he chose the name John Wick at well, some you, point. You can hear John Wick in that. You can see where it comes from, from oh, that yeah. name. Like, you know, that's kind of in there. But he, you know, he's punching his ticket, as you say, and she doesn't want to help him, this woman that runs the place, but ultimately she'll accept it, give him safe passage to Casablanca. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we see that they're training all these uh, other young soldiers. It's very Black Widow. Uh, yeah, the Red Room. The Red whatever. Room, yeah. It's boys and girls, sure, but it's very much that. Um, Notably, ballerinas. Yes, which obviously sets up the spinoff uh, that we're mm-hmm. going to get uh, later on. 
So he goes off and does that, and we're introduced to the adjudicator who comes in and basically tells Winston that because he didn't shoot John Wick on the spot when he broke the rules, that she, you know, he has to step down. He has to give up the Continental. He's got a week to sort of like hand in his papers and move on. And I, I guess what I was going to say before actually is that if the whole thing in the third act is about coming back to the Continental, and obviously later on it's because he's tasked with killing Winston to yes. sort of earn his, not freedom, he's still going to be like part of the table and like work for earn him. his life. But earn his life, yeah, like sort of take away the hit job. Um, mm. I think all you do to sort of reshape it a little bit is that you have John Wick fighting to get out of the city, go through his gauntlet, and at the end of act two, you still do some of the other stuff in the other scenes, he finds out just as he's about to leave and be scot-free, that they're going to go after Winston because Winston's been basically getting out of trouble and he's going to be killed for helping him uh, mm-hmm. and giving him that hour of, like, you know, a chance to get away. Um, have him make the choice there to turn back because Winston's his friend. And then the rest of the movie where they're going to do the whole siege and, like, protecting the Continental can still happen. Almost the exact same. Um, and then even the ending with, you know, where it goes, which we'll get to, would, would hit mm-hmm. maybe even harder because John Wick would have made that choice in the first place. So... I don't think it even takes that much to sort of just re- redo this a little bit and just take out all the stuff I don't like. That's the sad part, is I can quite, very yeah. quickly just rewrite it to get rid of all that crap. Like, I could, if, if the whole goal is him to get on a plane or something like that, because yeah. there's one point where she specifically says, like, ready the lifeboat or ready the life raft or something like that. If the whole point is get to that location and then he's, you know, about to step on it, he does whatever, and then all of a sudden he gets a call or some notice from somebody that the continental has been deconsecrated immediately. It makes sense for him to then go back. I think that that's especially because then, I mean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but John makes the choice when he's with the elder to give up his own life in the form of being a servant of the high table for the rest of his natural born days. And then the very first thing they ask him to do, he says, no, I don't want to. So it does feel like that plot point is just completely lost. Yeah, I so also... I think, it, I think it actually makes more sense to cut it than it does yeah. to keep it in as is. I also didn't really like just him doing that in the first place. It kind of felt weird to me that he was going to basically... He was basically begging to like, hey, don't like you know, take off the hat keep me safe and later on he justifies it by saying he's trying to keep alive just so he can remember his wife that's all it is he just wants to remember mm. her and keep her memory alive in him and it just kind of felt like i don't know it felt like he was i don't think at the end of the second movie it felt like when he was on the run it felt like okay he's is this threat everyone's going to come for him he's going to go and try and survive somehow I would never have predicted at the end of the second movie that his goal to try and survive is to go and just beg the boss for his life and like please you know don't (laughs) well it it raises that thing during the second movie i think we pointed out there is a point in there where he could just stop yeah like he he completed the marker there are people trying to kill him to tie up loose ends whatever but he could have at a certain point have just stopped even the very end of the movie right before he shoots what's his name he could have just stopped he could have been like okay fine you win i'm i'm out though i'm gone i'm not gonna continue this anymore but instead he did it. And in doing so, I think he showed a certain disregard for his own life. Like he, he doesn't care whether he lives or dies. He's doing this because it's what needs to be done. And yet by the time we get to this point, 
he he's willing to almost forsake the memory of his own wife by giving up his wedding ring to this man just so he can continue living. And they say it's for the wife's sake, but it doesn't feel that way when he's been so on the verge of dying yeah, and so for the much, past two movies. And so much of the first two movies were him... You know, like, the reason why he was upset about the dog more than just the fact that it was an innocent dog was because it was the dog his wife gave to him. The second mm-hmm. movie, the bad guy destroyed his house and all of his photos of her, pretty much. Like, you know, it was desecrating all these things that reminded him of her. So... Mm-hmm. It should be a big deal that he's willing to give up that wedding ring for for something, but it kind of felt like I don't know. I just didn't get why the character was ready to make that that sacrifice and choice. And they kind of try and flip it. Obviously, when he eventually gets to Winston, and Winston knows he's there to probably kill him, and he's like, "Hey, do you really want to die as like their servant, just remembering her, or do you want to die as the man that that she loved and die as a person rather than just like a tool for them?" I yeah. didn't feel like they earned that John ever made that choice in the first place. So it felt all a little bit forced to me. No, I think there needed to be a story arc, either in this movie or the last movie, where he makes the transition of it's not about the material thing that's her memory. It's not about the dog. It's not about the car. It's not about mm-hmm. the material things. It's about the memory of it. That would then make more sense as to why he need, feels the need to live to carry on that memory. But they never quite did make that transition they always stayed focused on the more material aspect of it yeah i I think once john makes the choice in the scene with winston that he's not going to be bad and he's going to like not kill him and it's like hey okay so you're going to war with the table then winston he's like yep all right i'm in like once he makes that choice i like the movie from then on i like the there's a siege coming they're coming to take the continental uh, John Wick's going to be with Sharon they're going to defend the Continental um, with all the firepower they can muster like once that Mm -hmm. that hits it's like okay this is back to feeling quite simple in a good way where it's like okay this friendship between him and Winston matters now and he's going to help defend the Continental and I could see how this like whatever the result of this I could see it okay it's going to change the world a bit for the fourth movie and that's where we're going to go from there Um, I think just the the plot beats of John making the choice he does, cutting off his finger and giving the 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 head honcho his wedding ring, and mm. seemingly just being a, like a whimpering dog in front of this honcho just felt a bit weird and off to me. Like, yeah, it's like they're trying to show that he is that he has this much power and that John's going to respect that power and he's going to uh, go through the ceremony and treat him with the the respect he's supposed to give him, but mm. it just it felt a bit off in the moment. And I don't think the movie kind of built up to it properly especially since he gets there by having his wandering journey in the desert and like you know passing out and yeah like so this is, how you, this is how you talk to this guy you have to go out to the desert and walk until you pass out and then he might come and like pick you up yeah i i think it comes back to the idea of we are sold on this franchise as john wick his talent set the thing he does is kill that is what he does. And this movie, for the entire second act, basically at the moment where you're saying it falls flat, is the moment where John says, I don't want to kill anybody. I just want to talk. And it just kind of, it doesn't feel like it's properly set up. Like you said, it is a a left turn. And it obviously, we do still have fight scenes. We do still have big moments. But the reason that I think the desert scene falls so flat is... There is no fight scene. There is no big moment. 
it's just a complete stall of everything that we've been doing up until then. I mean, I would be fine with a quiet moment. I just don't think even the character choices in the scene make sense. So I didn't no. enjoy it for what it was doing. Because even in the second movie, whenever it did take a breather from the action, it was it was setting up or building to the next thing. So yeah. it was making the next action scene feel like a bigger deal. But, but that's what I'm saying is that I don't think that they set up in this movie that John would be the type to grovel. He is the type. He's not the type to talk about that stuff. He's the type who is a strong, sturdy, steady man. A man of very few words, as we've seen before. The, the one the one thing I was sort of latching onto while he was making this journey, I didn't like the whole desert thing. I didn't like kind of mm. the trip to the desert either. But the one thing I was latching onto is, is like, he's lying, right? He's going to kill him. Like, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. He's going to get mm-hmm. there and he's going to kill the mother effort. And that's going to be, like, his, like, stake for power. And whatever. But no, he just grovels, and he yeah. like when he goes to cut off his finger to prove that he's like willing to serve him. I I, I was kind of like, eh, like I, I get that you want to show the character at his lowest moment, you know, at the end of Act Two, and this is kind of the thing that he's going to come over, and uh, but it just I don't know, it just it did not feel like it fit anything that was happening with the character for, up until this moment for the previous two and a half movies. Yeah, I I mean I fully agree with that. In that when they reached, I thought he was going to try to kill the elder as well, and. Every single time John backed down, the elder seemed to like goad him. He seemed to say like mm. a little extra thing of like, "You sure?" And I'm even gonna make you do this, and then he just kept bowing. And even so, the one thing I liked about it is that okay, your first job to prove that you're loyal is to go kill Winston. I like that one part of it, just because like okay, that's a challenge for the character that's going to test his morals or whatever. But mm-hmm. even then, my immediate thought was he's making this trip back to Winston. And in my head, I was thinking, oh, he's not actually going to do it. Not in the sense that he's going to choose not to do it when he gets there. I thought. Oh, he's he already knows he's not going to do it. This is all just him, like you know. There's already the bravado, the show. Yeah, it's the show. It's like, but when he gets to Winston, it suddenly becomes apparent. No, he was actually considering doing it, and he's making his choice now. Like Winston's having to talk him out of it. And yeah. again, it kind of felt like okay. It, it like I keep having this expectation that I think is valid based on what they've shown me of this character, and it, mm-hmm. and this movie and the a good chunk of it keeps testing that by having him not be the way that i feel like he should be and i don't think i'm just making weird leaps i think i think the movies before this have set up who this character is yeah i i think the movies have really built themselves off of john is not a complicated man he has very simple wants and very simple goals and we have Mm. always managed to associate with that because the movies have shown us exactly what he wants by the time this movie rolls around we feel that we are in John's mindset. We can understand how he feels, how he thinks about the situation. But then the writers have him do something that goes against that. That is a different path than we think the character should go down. And of course, by the time he gets back to New York again, it's getting back in line with, okay, he has to kill. And that's what we associate with the character. I think that it's okay to make these changes to the character if they're properly set up. It just didn't feel that it was set up. And I, I, I want to also expand on that. I don't think it's just that he has to kill. I think that the fact, we also understand the reason and agree with the reason why he's going to kill. Mm-hmm. I think it's the important part. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just, just before we get to all that third act stuff, though, we have to just backtrack a little bit and talk about yeah, all the Halle Berry. We have to talk about the second black. Yeah. Okay, well, we talked about the end of the second act when he actually gets to the you know the, the shaman in the yeah. desert bollocks. But mm-hmm. there's the trip to that where he goes to Casablanca and he meets up with Halle Berry, who's running the Continental that's here, right? Marco. Uh, 
he's got a marker, right? And they set this up in the last movie. Someone owes him a favor with a marker. And uh, we find mm. out it's because he got her daughter out of the system, right? And she doesn't even know where the daughter is because she knows if she knows where she is, she'll be too tempted to go and see her. And that could lead the people at the table to know where her daughter is, which could be used against her or whatever. So, yep. okay, they set us up. It's a little bit, you know, tell and don't show in the sense that she, they really sort of try and hammer home all this backstory with her losing her daughter. When they, they could have just hinted at it with one line and would have got it. And it felt like yeah. there was a whole scene where she's like, I don't even know where she is, John, because if I know, and like, I'm like, honestly, just saying, like, you know, you got my daughter out, end, right? We can, we can yeah. let our minds fill in the rest from there for now. Uh, but she's got two big dogs, and mm-hmm. because this is the marker, she's agreed to take him to her old boss, which is this guy who's kind of like a more stereotypical, you know, movie villain. Which it is important to note that they set up the rules here that once you're excommunicated, all the markers and all the other stuff, everything, all the favors he's pulling in are technically void. Like he, yeah. nobody is beholden to that anymore. They're yeah. doing it strictly because they like John. Like John, and perhaps it's just a sense of he, he is like taking a risk that they will still honor them because it is a matter of honor as opposed to mm-hmm. like, okay, technically you can choose not to do this now, but you care about the, our honor system. You care about like the fact that we follow these rules and he's kind yeah. of banking on that. I think a little bit, um, mm. So they go and the villain monologues for eight. Like I, this scene was like obviously it gets good when the action starts because we get like John Wick plus two dogs and Halle Berry like fighting guy. Like it does it a couple times where the dog like will jump in and like bite the arm of a guy with like holding out his gun, and the the, mm-hmm. the dog will basically like you know bite with the such velocity that the guy will, like flip over the dog. And I was oh, like, yeah. you know what? I'm into that part. That's kind of fun. Um, I do want to point out uh, the villain. I know you're probably not familiar with him, but he's Jerome Flynn, and he got his big break as Braun in Game of Thrones. I knew you were going to say Game of Thrones. Every actor I don't know who's big for something That's, is Game of Thrones. It's fair, but he was he was definitely a fan favorite for at least the first bunch of seasons he was in. So okay, it's okay. worth noting. But uh, yeah, I didn't like his character at all. I, I thought this was no, just really... You know, it was very much, you know, chewing the scenery. He was trying to be... like. It felt like, you know how we had Peter Stormare at the start of the second one, and he was very much kind of a a typical Russian mob boss, right? But it was kind of played as a little bit tongue-in-cheek, because he's kind of like, you know, he's intentionally the stereotype, because he's talking about the Baba Yaga. It's meant to be this quick catch-up for, here's who John Wick is, here's a typical mob boss who's scared of him, and it sort of circumvents your expectations a little bit by having John just say, hey, we're at peace, right? And this guy, to show how much he's scared of John Wick, is like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, peace. Like, I'm out. I'll never yeah. come after you. We're good. It it makes a point by setting up the stereotypical guy. Whereas here, the guy is just a villain, and he's going to do something villainous. Like, you know that he's going to shoot the dog when he says, I want to keep your dog. And Halle Berry mm-hmm. says, no, you ain't keeping my dog. You know he's going to shoot the dog. You know exactly where it's going. And the Which, o- as, soon as, as soon as he shoots the dog, I'm like, do you... Do you recognize the other person who's standing right next to you? Like, everyone has apparently heard this story, and you still want to shoot this dog. Yeah, well, obviously the dog's wearing a bulletproof uh, vest, which we find mm-hmm. out quite quickly. Um, I did think it was a little hypocritical of John, though, to be like, hey, can we go and like, we don't kill this guy? And she shoots him in the leg, and he's like, she's like, he shot my dog, and John's like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah, you you can't you can't point fingers here, Mister Wick. You... I mean, I fully I fully because ex- you know it's a difference between a mob boss who has 
no seating at the table. And then this guy who is pretty much as high up as you can go without going into a, a desert. So I, I get why he doesn't quite want to bring down the entire system yet, yeah. but it is, like he says, he gets it. He sees it happen. He's like, all right, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Like, but I really wish you didn't do this. And I, you know, and I enjoyed the, the ensuing shootout where the dogs were jumping in and helping. Um, it yeah. was jumping between Halley doing some cool stuff, rolling under whatever. Um, I mm-hmm. enjoyed, uh, I think it's later on, maybe actually, maybe it's this scene, but there's like a scene where John and the two guys he's fighting all no, run out of scene. ammo. Yeah. And they all have to mm-hmm. reload, and John's just quicker at it, so he wins. But it's yeah. it's like who can reload faster because they all run out of ammo. Like just you know, and there's even like a bit of dog parkour where the dog like jumps off a of Halle Berry's back and goes up the side of this wall to get to a guy yeah. up top. If every scene is like some different rule set or some different tactic that needs to be done, this one is definitely the dogs as a weapon, because Halle Berry's character directs them yeah. with. Like, okay, do this. And he uses vocal commands to send the dogs after certain guys at certain times. It's a different... Obviously, it's less of the the choreography fight that we like, but I like how it brings in this different type of stunt acting. Yeah, it's variety. And it it feels very distinct to all the other fight scenes. And I think the fact that we're on the third movie, and most of the fight scenes still feel very distinct, uh, Mm -hmm. is good. And I, I appreciate that. And it uses, like different types of weapons different types of allies or, you know whatever it may be sometimes it's location mm-hmm. that makes a difference but like they're still finding variety and it feels like they're still being invented and it's probably the most important thing to the franchise even though i do have some story problems with this one yeah uh but as soon as this guy like, you when know, back when they're talking as soon as he says oh you don't see the elder like the elder sees you if he chooses to mm-hmm you travel out into the desert, get to the edge of the desert, and look into the sun, and blah blah blah. And I was like, "Why does this sound like the start of the Mummy when they're talking about how you find, uh, you know, the 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 hidden city?" Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Why does it sound like that? It's basically he may as well have just handed John a scepter and said, "Like, put this on the crest of the dune as the yeah, I know. sun hits noon and where the light shines, start digging and like just piss like, off right. with this shit." I, I, I oh, I, the guy, I, I got like a tinge of hate as soon as he started saying that. I was like, "Oh no, what's this doing now?" Like, I, I liked the start of it where he says, "Like, nobody can find the elder. The elder finds you." There's a reason that he is the elder he is above and beyond the system of you can just meet up with these people i appreciate that sentiment but it does come crashing down when he then directly tells him here's how you can find the elder because what those were despite being all mystical hoo-ha were still directions they were accurate yes this is exactly what john went and did um Honestly, probably the most straight up like comedy moment I think this series has ever tried to do is the moment where Halle Berry like drinks most of the water and just leaves him mm-hmm. like a little dribble, uh, spits it back into the uh, bottle for for his like trek into the desert. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the last you see her. And I do expect that she'll pop up in four or five, and she'll end up being an ally, no doubt, down the line. You say that, but I feel like here's the thing: I don't know how she was received, considering we're watching oh, this three years later. Sure, I... sure. If she wasn't received very well, which she very well may not have been, I don't think she's coming back because she, her entire plot was pretty much wrapped up, and she basically straight up said like, "We're not, we're we're no, done. Don't get this me wrong. happens, and then we're done." Don't get me wrong; it would work if she never does. But I suspect that this is someone that will 
appear again it just makes too mm-hmm. much sense to me to have this have her pop up as an ally like maybe like four will introduce someone else and then maybe in five if five is the last one where all of the people that he's kind of allies with end up like banding together to take on the table or something like that you know right i i could totally see that being a thing you know the, the john wick vengers if you if you if you will um <laughs> he's just going to be standing there single bullet in his gun facing down the entire high table and then all of a sudden on your left <laughs> and the dog comes out of the portal yes. yep exactly um, not not only his dog but also a multiversal version of daisy the first dog yes, yes. comes out <laughs> um so one bunch of scenes that we've been skipping over is what the educator has been doing this entire time oh yeah yeah, it made sense to leave this separate yeah uh, yeah she- so we obviously talked about when saul wiston says get your affairs in order and you have seven days but she also makes another trip to Lawrence Fishburne. She, she, she's been watching the the ring. She's like, in seven days you will die. Yeah, I mean, I could I, if she was just a little bit creepier, I could see her trying to play that off as like seven days and just walk <laughs> off without a word. Yeah, she goes to see Lawrence Fishburne, and uh, and this is the thing we were talking last movie about how the Bowie's outside of the system, and it still mm. is. But there was a moment here I thought, well, is it is it part of the system? And I think the scene by the end it makes it clear that. No, this is something that was set up independently, but the table are aware of it and sort of, like, allow it to exist. So now that they've decided that something has to change, they still think they can, like, boss them around. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think it's the it's the equivalent of, like, the United States recognizing a smaller, like, break-off of a state. They're like, no, 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 you're allowed to exist right up until we say you aren't. Yeah. Uh, so he's also told Seven Days... Um, and that's when she goes to you know the assassin zero and enlists him and his men to act out their their will which is to basically go and punish anyone who was working with john wick so they go to the 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 russian ballet place and the woman who helped john wick there is mm-hmm. stabbed through the hands as penance um then later on Lawrence fishburne slashed seven times one for each bullet that was in that gun that you gave him last yep. movie um, and it seems that he dies it looks like it he dies yeah he gets pretty cut up pretty bad yeah I mean, I, I was still kind of thinking he'd probably pop up again, which he does. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they play it like he may have killed over and died at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Unless there is actual visible proof that he is dead. I was sitting there like, all right, so he's just going to be the Sam Jackson at the end of Iron Man. Like, you think that you're out of the game, John Wick? <laughs> well, here, so here's my weird thing is that. So the elder gives John a task, says that they're going to drop the the open contract. He's and his first task is to go and kill Winston for helping him, and mm. John agrees, gets his new suit because he was wearing the suit from the last movie up until this point. Like he he'd been wearing that same suit for ages. Yep. And he goes back to New York, and I was thinking, okay, so now that he's got this job, surely he won't be attacked when he gets back because like he's now he's doing a mission for the elder. Yeah. But there's still tons of assassins coming from. Not only that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I did enjoy the little moment where there's a couple of random assassins who are coming to attack him, and then the the Japanese group who are working for the adjudicator jump out and kill all those assassins. But then they mm-hmm. also try to attack John. I'm like, why are you try to? Attack? It feels like is upper management not relaying the 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 the, the tasks down the, the chain. Honestly, I don't think they did. I think that until John manages to complete the task, he is still able to be killed, which I'm okay with. But then, yeah, there's that moment where Zero's gang kills the assassins and just lets him walk into Grand Central Station, where then they try to kill him again. And that's the part that I think was only explained towards the end of the movie, where Zero basically says, no one's allowed to kill you but me. 
Mm. And I think what it basically come down to is once he got back in the city while Zero's on the case, Zero is basically killing anybody who's getting close to John so that he can be the one that does it. Yeah, and then we get the motorbike chase. Uh, yes. I would say at the station. The motorcycle uh, ninja. Because it is, it is worth noting, in all the scenes where Zero's gang is attacking, it's just Foot Clan. It's just ninjas. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Foot Clan. You're right. Like, they're coming out of the shadows, they're doing quick silent kills with swords, and then they're hiding back in the shadows hey, again. It is... New York is the Turtles' home as well. I'm just saying, if they want to do a John Wick Turtles like, team-up movie, I'm not against it. I would love that more than I think I should. <laughs> Come on. I think it would work so well. John Wick versus Shredder? Come on. Yeah, no. I, I, mm. I fully could have seen an ending to this movie where Zero gets his face slashed instead of getting stabbed and it's just like oh look look what they're doing uh i want it now and i'm yep. gonna be disappointed that john mcfour doesn't have the four turtles in it um <laughs> so yeah some of the chase is fun like you know I, I like him again aiming for the next because the helmets obviously are helping block the bullets mm-hmm. um there's a nice moment where one bike like sort of like just sort of flips into the, another bike and like takes the guy out there, there's some fun moments in there but it is obviously yeah. a lot more effects heavy as a sequence because of just what it is mm-hmm. uh but they get to the Continental, and John literally puts his hand on the first step, and then Sharon walks out and is like, put down your weapon, uh, Zero. Uh, he's on Continental grounds now. Uh, yep. So he's here to see, obviously, Winston. Uh, Which I I do like, because that, despite the fact he's excommunicated, Zero makes that point. Sharon does still point out, it is, you are not allowed to fulfill contracts on Continental grounds. Yes. Like, even if he is a target that's not part of the game, more or less, as soon as he's there, you cannot take that shot. Yeah. And he goes in, and he talks to Winston, and this is where he's given his choice. And Winston gives him the speech about dying as the hitman for the table or mm-hmm. dying as the man who lost his wife. And, like, who do you want to die as? What do you think she would want more out of them? And, mm-hmm. obviously, I appreciate John making the choice that he does because it is, I just never feel like he, he was in a place to, like, even have to make that choice before. And yeah. now it feels like the fact that he was even tempted to like go the other way was kind of weird. But I do like that it's like, okay, Winston's making this choice to not just give in. He's basically declaring war on the table to keep the Continental. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, they're going to send an army. And it's like, okay, John, are you up for helping? And this is where we get the Matrix line where he's like, okay. Um, and he's like, what, what do you need, you, John? What, what do you need? Guns, lots of guns. And honestly, it works so well in context. It, like, well, it is like a reference and a wink, wink. It, it, mm-hmm. it feels like it fits so well in the moment that I, it didn't bother me. I was like, okay, you I, know what? It, that worked. I, th- I think the real test of those lines is if somebody had not seen the Matrix, would they think that was out of place? And I can't see any reason no. they would think it'd be out of place at all. Yeah, no, because the the, the story set up because I think even the last movie he had a line at one point where he said he needs he needs you know lots of guns like it wasn't mm-hmm. that line but it was similar to, enough to it that yeah. this didn't feel like it was some, a sudden left turn for the character you know um one scene that we skipped over which i don't particularly like but that's why i feel like i need to bring it up is sure. the kind of sit down scene between john and zero oh when they're it's, waiting, for... it's in the lobby area before he goes to see winston yeah yeah and zero basically just turns out to be like a super fan he's just like john me and you were like the same we both assassins and john's like shut up man 
Yeah, he sits down next to because he's on John's on the couch and he sits down right next to him on the couch so they're touching and John like awkwardly gets up and sits in another chair. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, this made him way less interesting. Is that he's a fanboy, honestly? Yeah. There's like pretty much. I I I like the fact that he sees John as not an idol, but you know a a person to work towards, a goal to get to as a hitman. I like that aspect, but he basically threw that out and went into fanboy territory the moment when the dog jumped up onto john's lap he's like oh is this is this like the dog i'm more of a cat person myself but like cool awesome and i'm like yeah. all right man just 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 tone it down yeah i wasn't into that like see if you tell me that the arch nemesis is the guy who might be the new john wick and like he's building up to john wick because he might be taking his place as like the new baba yaga i'll be okay mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting because you know eventually everyone gets replaced and you know john's in his 50s he's getting older oh yep. shout out to keanu reeves like he's obviously doing a lot of physical stuff in this movie and well obviously the stuntmen oh, yeah. for certain things he's still moving super quick in some of the fight scenes but it's still clearly him like he's he's mm-hmm. for a man in his 50s he's doing very well like like i'm almost curious to see like you know if we're going to, if we're going to notice over four and five is there going to be start to be a dip and like how quick he can move because he is you know he's he's pushing 60 like he's, i mean isn't, isn't that the whole thing though that keanu reeves is immortal isn't that the meme online <laughs> i mean that's the meme until it's no longer true you know yeah like you yeah. Know, eventually the age is going to hit him and he's not going to be able to move as quickly and it's why watching like harrison ford and indiana jones in 2008 was hard to watch because he couldn't move the same way that he used to so i don't yeah. even know how the new one's going to deal with it but we'll see we'll see all of a sudden he's going to be really really good with his guns yeah 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 uh so yeah we, we get this this choice and you know this is where i start to get excited again because okay now it's about him this kind of friendship he's had with winston he's now going to repay like giving him that hour from the end of the last movie to okay i'm going to help you defend this place i'm going to like mm. take on the table with you and it is a point where um the adjudicator as soon as they've made their decisions to her she's like okay and she just gets on the phone and says cancel the consecration of this building yeah so yeah. now contracts can be fulfilled within it and we even get like uh you know like the SWAT team coming in the uh, the lobby and it's not like the scene in the Matrix but because he said the Matrix line I was kind of thinking oh we're doing a big scene in a in a lobby okay yeah I do I do like right before that though because obviously this hotel is you know a cover for Hitman but I think it is also just a hotel as well like mm-hmm. other people can just walk in and say can I have a room and pay with actual money <laughs> so, so I like the point where they have to straight up say like the hotel is being fumigated everybody get out now like they have to have some reason to get the normal people out of there which we did skip over uh in grand central station the they're the zero and john are about to attack each other and then a random group of people just jump in the middle i think it was mostly kids as well i think it was like school kids walking through the middle of but but zero makes the point of see john that's why you're special I wouldn't have stopped. Mm. So that goes back to what we were talking about before, is that is John more moral than the average hitman in this world? And I think that's the proof that, yes, he is. He's willing to make sure that innocent bystanders are completely safe. Yeah. Also, I think we'll see Common again. Because yeah, I was expecting him to show up oh, in yeah. this movie because he didn't die in the last one, but I, th- I think he might pop up later in another movie. I- I since you mentioned the John Wick Avengers, I am I'm as soon as they decide this is the last movie, I'm expecting everyone to come in. Yeah. That's how I feel. 
but anyway so yeah a lot of fun action here i love that mm-hmm. like these swat guys come in and they're all in body armor so a lot of the bullets are just bouncing off the armor and john's having to go for next he's having to go for the places that it'll it'll work and, and Sharon joins the fight as well. Sharon joins the fight as well. And I love that they lose a lot of the other guys that are with Sharon. And then both Sharon and John, after having a bit of a fight where they take out the first wave, they come back to the safe room where uh, Winston's hiding and just having like a drink. And mm-hmm. they're like, shit, we need more firepower. And Sharon's like, hey, this, these shotgun shells, these are armor piercing. And they both like just load up with these shotgun shells and go back out. Uh, and again, more fun reloading stuff where John's got, he's, he's got like a, it's like four or five shells around like this sort of like quick holster thing where he mm. kind of slides them in one by one, but they're on this like rack so he can do it really quickly. He does it so fast. Yeah. Like I feel like that's one of the things where he got really, really good at it and they just wanted to show off how good he was. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, a lot of fun stuff here with, with the, the, the action choreography again. Um, and then obviously eventually it leads to the, the glass room mm-hmm. where it's ultimately zero but he actually takes on he's got like i don't think they're actually twins but they've got very similar looks these two guys they've both got the same sort of goatee and like mm-hmm. tied back hair but they're like hey it's an honor to fight you john wick so they actually help him up at one point so they can like fight properly and they've got their sort of curved blades and john's got his bell and they have this fight what i liked about the way they use the glass in this this section of the movie is they did this mm-hmm. thing in fact my, my favorite moment of this whole scene is when like one of the henchmen gets his machete or whatever it is stuck in the edge of the glass because it sort of goes in a little bit and john yeah. grabs a second guy and just like swipes his throat over it it's just like mm-hmm. and it's like oh that was a very inventive way to use a machete on someone oh absolutely you, you put the person into the knife like that's yeah. perfect um no i i i like the glass stuff in this scene i think that they made it creative but basically i think what they've set up with john is that he's very good at hiding he's very good at like mm. sneaking up and like getting the drop on people although on that note i will say the way he batmans out of the scene in grand central was maybe a little too magical you say that but then all of the ninjas were just literally batmaning around him and they made the point of like one of them just managed to cross this line like next to zero over to the side that, of john. No. and then john just grabs him and beats the crap out of him and says like was that your guy that's fair, but I will extend that to say that I didn't like any of that. All right, fair enough. I, I, I thought I, that was too, like, supernaturally Batmaning around. Like, the way they were just disappearing into, like, thin air. I took much. it as more of a comedy beat than anything else. It, no, it was a comedy beat, but I just, I just yeah. don't think it was too far. I think it was too I far, mean, and, and, like, no, this is supernatural almost what they're doing now. Um, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, back to the glass. Um, I think that this is a good counter for John in that. Again, he really likes to be able to hide behind things. He likes yeah. his cover systems, and he likes to be able to get the drop on people. And this just robs him of that. So you can see he's at a clear disadvantage, especially because, like you, they comment in the thing. He's older. He's been in retirement, and for the past two weeks, he has done nothing but fight. Yeah, yeah, and I think what I like about this this set piece and this location, especially as the fight goes on, and it does this a lot throughout the scene, especially when he's fighting Zero, is that. You can't really tell where there's glass and where there isn't, right? So you're just like, oh, there's mm-hmm. a barrier that you you don't expect or whatever. But what I like about it is that as the scene goes on and they're hitting each other into the glass and it starts to crack, is that you kind of like build the scene. You you, you slowly realize what the boundaries of the fight are. You don't get mm-hmm. it at first, but as they hit into each other and they hit into the glass, it starts, all these cracks form like a new set almost. It's, it's actually yeah. really interesting from a design point of view. It's that sort of thing like in 
uh, mystical shows and sci-fi shows when you're fighting an invisible opponent and mm-hmm. then you just get a little bit of ink on them or something like that to show here's where they are. It's that same thing, but it's for the entire set where yeah. it's, we have all these invisible walls and one by one, we're just going to figure out where they are. Yeah, I, I thought that made it very inventive. And again, it, it, it assured me that they have not run out of ideas on how to like build these like unique fight scenes that all have oh, their yeah. own thing, their own their own little gimmick or or structural or design quality that makes them feel distinct and at times just kind of cool, where it feels like, okay, this is very different to anything else we saw already in this movie. I can't guarantee it, but I'm going to go ahead and put... I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put a $5 tip on the review of John Wick 4 mm-hmm. coming from my own wallet that there will be a pitch black fight scene because that just seems like the next logical thing of like nobody can see anything well, hold on, hold on, hold on. how I'll, do they fight i'm going to elaborate on that i think it'll be a pitch black scene that is only lit by gunfire that's fair i think you'll get flashes of light from gunfire that's my that's my right. that's my guess if there isn't that though i get top billing on all future reviews anyway moving on so <laughs> What does that mean? You're doing the intro? Oh, no, it's too much responsibility. Never mind. Okay, all right. You can keep it. Very well. All right. So, yeah, I mean, they have the fight scene, and this character, because he's lost a bit of his mystique, I do think his ending where he's got the sword in him, and he's kind of like, I'll catch up, John. I just need to get my breath. And it's like, no, you won't. Like, I was like, this is a... He just he comes across a bit too lame at this point, where I don't really believe that he's a threat. See, but that's why I think that line from John actually works there. Because the oh, sure. I'll, ca- I'll catch up not only implies physically I'll be right in after you, it's also the I'll get to your level. And John just turns mm. back to be like, no, you won't. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be clear, I don't have a problem with John's response. It's just kind of like the mm. other guy's demeanor and like, you know, it yeah. almost feel like his entire character is kind of played for a joke at this point as opposed yeah. to actually being like a, a threat. But because everyone that they've sent in has been defeated, the adjudicator is like, all right, parley. So they have this mm. parley on the roof, and th- specifically without John. Yeah, yeah. John comes in halfway through the scene, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, she's talking to Winston, and she's like, well, "So what are you even trying to do?" And like, it's like, "Well, I keep the continental, blah blah blah." And she basically is like, "Wait, this was all a show of of force to show that you're still of value to the table." Okay, mm-hmm. um, done. But what about Wick? Because by this point, John Wick's standing there. It's like. What about him? We can't just let everything that's happened go away. And this is the the heel turn where Winston turns and shoots John. And John's wearing the bulletproof suit, so he's kind of not he's not getting shot per se. I mean, he's getting shot, mm-hmm. but he's not getting hit. He's just kind of like sort of like blocking it with his. He's like, what the hell? But obviously, the force of the impact, and he's at the edge of the building. He ends up falling over the edge of the the roof. He slides down like a, a skylight bit or whatever it is, and then into like a, a fire escape, and then onto a dumpster. And he, he does that thing from Spider Man too. Yes. When he just boom, blah, boom, yeah, dead to the point where yeah, you're kind of stretching like he should be dead. He should be dead. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he should be so dead. And it's like okay. And part of me again, part of me was almost expecting like is when she left the scene and it was just him and uh, Sharon left. I really thought mm-hmm. he was going to say something like, "That's nah, okay. I knew he'd survive that," or, or you know, something to imply that he wasn't actually just straight up turning bad. But mm-hmm. obviously, the way it plays out, it's like, nah, maybe he did just make this cold choice uh see you say that but the same i i think that he did it maybe he did make the cold choice but i think he still expected john to somehow miraculously survive it because she comes back and says hey i just checked the alley john isn't there and he's like oh wow 
that's i mean yeah we'll definitely take care of him sure and she's like good see what you do and he's like yeah anyway <laughs> no i mean that that's true maybe like but at the same time it still feels like john will rightfully be pissed at him and it, oh like, absolutely you know the friendship is not going to be at its strongest needless to say Hmm. I, I do I, I do think it's an interesting direction to go in that he's kind of like went back to the table with his tail between his legs because he likes his position and now he's part of the system like he's reinforced as part of the system and therefore John like can't trust him anymore that is yeah. an interesting direction to go in for the next movie uh, which actually reminds me of one of the they put this in the uh, the trailer I remember seeing the trailer when it was coming out but uh, yeah. there's a line early on where when uh, Winston goes back to the Continental and Sharon's like talking about, hey, do you really think John is going to survive? And he's like, well, oh, yeah. he's got every assassin in the city coming after him, and he's hurt and weak. I give it fifty-fifty. Like, what I liked about that line in the context of the movie itself, it's a fine enough trailer line, but in the context of the movie, it's like you know what, John Wick's been talked up by everyone since the start of the first movie. The whole thing is not you mess with John Wick, you are screwed. He's coming for you. It's there's mm-hmm. been that the whole time, and for a second, it's like, wait, are they setting up that he's actually going to say that John's in trouble here? That he, he you know he's finally against the odds and he's, he's it's unlikely that, i mean we expect that he will because he's the main character but yeah. they're finally saying in the context of the and then in the universe of the movie that he maybe doesn't stand a chance now and mm. still he's like 50 50 which is which is the worst odds he's had in the context of the movie yeah. this is the worst odds anyone's given him since this franchise started is 50 50 mm-hmm. uh but yes so but yeah, yeah no um yeah, so the end of the movie, we have this, uh, like, you know, fall to the death. He disappears, and the end of the movie is that uh, the Bowery King is alive. Uh, the homeless guy, the one from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, has, has, <laughs> has, has brought him to the Bowery King, and yep. the Bowery King's like, the table messed with me. They're going to learn not to mess with the Bowery, and that they are not the, the be-all and end-all. We're going to rise up and show them that they're, they're not, like, infallible and he's like john i'm really pissed off and the whole time like john's clearly moving and alive but his heart his face mm. is down and he sort of sticks his head up and says yeah i'm pissed and that's when it cuts to credits it's like yep no john has a motive no john is determined to take down this system and get revenge just in a broad sense not just obviously it was revenge in the first movie for the, the killing of the dog and whatnot but mm-hmm. now it's like no now he's pissed at the table he's pissed at the system and the people in it um yeah so so in general what i think in terms of structure for now that there is chapter five confirmed as well Mm. i i think that what happened was the first movie was its own standalone thing it could have existed without any sequels it was a fine enough thing on its own absolutely yeah then they got the next two chapters confirmed or at least they figured they were getting a trilogy out of it and so they built a trilogy setup they built the the ability of okay second movie is where john's going to be at his lowest he's got the entire system against him and third is where he rises up and overtakes it but then as they're working on the third movie or possibly in pre-production they're told hey you can have more movies as well so then they have to pivot again of actually no the second movie isn't where he's at his lotus the third movie is going to be where he's at his lotus and then he's going to rise back up over the course of four and five. Because obviously, in terms of just three-act structure, you want the midpoint to be where your character is at their lowest. So in terms of the all five movies, assuming we stop at five, 
we would have to make it where the third movie is where he truly has nowhere else to go. He is at the lowest point. Mm. But that's why I think that this movie kind of falters in what it's trying to do in that the last movie was obviously supposed to be the lowest and they were going for a trilogy. And it was only once they then had to pivot out of that to a full franchise, more or less. A pentology. They, a pentology, exactly. <laughs> they now have to change it so the new structure is here. And that's kind of the whole issue of writing for the sequel as well. In writing for this bigger grand idea that you're doing over the course of multiple movies, rather than focusing on making this one movie being a good thing, is I like the world building. I like the stuff that they've set up. The Elder might be a bit of a step too far, but in general, I like the things they've done here of the Bowery King versus the High Table and all these different aspects to it. I mean, fundamentally, what you said last time, you said, oh, you expect the Bowery King to play a big part because he's outside the system and that's someone that John may mm -hmm. be able to go to. We said that, and effectively, that's what they're doing. They just didn't do it as part of this movie. It's like, no, this is the, the, end, the very end of the movie setting up that that is the setup for the, fifth, the, oh, sorry, the fourth movie is that they are going to be taken on the table and they've got a right. reason to be aligned together now. Which is why I think that the entire next two movies worth of plot is probably what they intended to do for this movie before they had to pivot. The, the high table was going to go down in the third movie, or at least John was going to be able to get them off his ass. But now they, now they have to extend it out. It's just made this movie kind of a consequence of, okay, we're still going to make it, that things change, that things happen, but it feels a lot more padded out of, like you said, that entire second act is completely worthless. It was just setting up this higher world-building aspect to it. Yeah, and that's something I never had a problem with in the second movie. I never felt the second movie, the pacing was so good, and it felt like it was the natural middle point of the whole story in all the right ways. Uh, whereas this feels that there is kind of this weird pivot and transition because it has it's having to go bigger because now... We're, we're getting at least another one or two movies after this, you know? And I, I, I would be fascinated, because they didn't announce 4 and 5 until after 3 came out, but I would be fascinated to internally know when they kind of had an inkling that there's going to be more after this. I don't know about internally. I did read that they're, just in terms of the um, release schedule, so this film was released May 9th, 2019. Mm -hmm. The sequel... Like the chapter four, which is just, of course, coming out uh, next week as of release of this video, it was announced on May 20th, 2019. Yeah. So it was announced like three weeks afterwards to the public. Which which probably and, means that they were told before it came out is assuming that the third one still performs as well as two, that mm -hmm. you're probably getting more. Because they, they announced four and five together. It was like a package deal. And I think yeah. part of that is locking in Keanu for them because, you know, he is getting older and maybe it's like, hey, mm -hmm. we want two more. Let's lock them in, film them pretty close together. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be in Ballerina as well to, like, help set up yeah. that world and, like, you know, what that movie's doing. And that's all fine. Um, so... And obviously, this movie... Or, sorry, ch Chapter 4 coming out had, was significantly delayed because of COVID and also yes. they had to wait until he was done with Matrix... Re what was the new one? Resurrections. <laughs> Resurrections, that's it. There you go. Um, no, like, obviously, yeah, it was delayed and whatever, which is fine. I think this movie does suffer from having to pivot, and I think the mythology that they add into this one, and maybe and some of it was always intended, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but mm -hmm. uh, either way, I don't like some of the stuff they add in this one, which is the first time in the franchise that it's, I felt that way about the mythology. 
So yeah. hopefully they... I think it, the more they can keep away from this elder douchebag in the desert in the next one, the happier I'll mm-hmm. be. And I, I fully expect that the next movie, we're going to see the elder come into the city. Like mm-hmm. they're just going to purposely make him like any other person that we've encountered before, where you can just find him on a rooftop drinking wine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. So hopefully the because like, there's still obviously great action in this there's the the, the mm-hmm. siege stuff towards the end um the setup of john being pissed going into it. it the only thing that hurts that setup of john being pissed at the end is that because his character felt like it was it was making weird choices in the middle it kind of hurts like being completely invested in his like state of mind by the end mm-hmm. but you know removing kind of the steps to get there like you know am i into what potentially the fourth movie could be i am uh yeah. But I, I think clearly out of these first three, the second movie is the best one. Like, I, I think the second one mm-hmm. is is the best. I think some of the action scenes in this are probably better than the first movie. But overall, I think this one has bigger problems than the first one. Yeah, because that is always a thing. of You can have a movie with no action that has a super compelling plot. That is obviously yeah. well done. But you're never going to have a good movie that's filled with action but doesn't have anything to link it together. The plot is necessary to making it work. And this one had just enough issues with the in-between action scene moments to really make it hey, that extra thing. Yeah, act one and act three, solid yeah. stuff. But that middle act, holy shit. Like, I, I was not into that middle act at all. Um, So yep. it's a real shame because it's, a, it's kind of like, it feels like a lesser movie than two. I think it's weaker than the first one. Uh, despite the fact that some of the individual action scenes, I think, are better. Like, I think that 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 knife scene in the the, the shop mm-hmm. with all the knives, I think that I like that action scene more than any action in the first movie. But I can't elevate the whole movie above it because of that. Because fundamentally, yeah. even though the first one had some problems, and we talked about those in that first review, it doesn't have this giant sagging thing I don't like in the middle, which is is a is a big problem. So. With all that said, I suppose it's time to rate John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. So Yes. What have you uh, got in mind? Well, obviously, with everything we talked about, it's got to be a 10. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I again, it is weaker than Part 2. And honestly, I think that for me personally, while I do appreciate the action scenes, I do think that it's what makes John Wick, John Wick. I am so invested in their world building and the sort of rules that they set up that once you reach this point that the movie did with getting outside of the rules and getting more to some weird mystical elements, it kind of takes away from me. So the one thing that I was the most invested in has actually been weakened in this movie. So Despite giving the last one an 8.5 and the one the first movie an 8, I'm going to drop this one the whole way down to a 7. I think that while I, there is a, a good amount going into it, it is still, like you said, the weakest film overall. Well, I mean, I gave the second one an 8 and the first one a 7. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I'm saying this is weaker than the first one, so... By that nature, like I could give it a seven as well and say it's just a weaker seven, but I, I don't think it is a seven. I, I think this is because of the stuff I don't like in this. I think I'm going as low as a six on this okay. one. And there's still stuff Flat. I like in it. You know, there's still enjoyable stuff to to get into. There's still great action scenes, 
mm-hmm. but that middle section like like if i wasn't watching this for review like that's the sort of part of the movie where i might have paused it to get a break and then just never go back <laughs> like yeah you know that's exactly what that middle big chunk is to me is that i might have like not because out of like protest or like oh this is you know i'm, I'm never going to watch but it's the sort of thing where i might just instinctively just ah oh, i'll just i'll watch the rest of it later and then just never yep. get around to it because the middle was I just mean, not for me at all i i watched this pretty much right before we recorded i was a little short on time but once he started walking through the desert i did take the time to pause the movie and just take care of some other things i needed to do because mm. i felt like that was the point where i was like all right i'm i'm i could probably leave it unpaused and i still wouldn't feel like i was missing that much but i didn't want to do a disservice to the review if yeah, i yeah. happened to actually miss something so so there you go that's uh john wick chapter three uh yep secondary rating scale yeah of course yeah does it um, does it does it manage to drop off of a clean makes the cut or is it still there no nah, i think we're definitely cutting the close territory with this cutting one. it close i i think that yes it is cutting it close but it is a very high cutting it close it just barely misses the makes the cut for me i think it's, cut, I think, it's kind of close um and it's elevated to cutting it close comfortably because it's connected to the first two movies. I yeah. think if you know this was standalone, it may be a bit of a hairier cutting it close. I mean, obviously, we, I don't think we would ever say, "Yeah, hey, just have John Wick three and nothing else," even if it was a good movie, because it can't stand alone. It requires you to watch the other movies. But uh, yeah, if they somehow restructured the film that it could stand on its own, but still have the same sort of pacing and plot it would be a lot less than what it currently is it is only by virtue of the previous two films that it is so high up yeah so there you go that is john wick chapter three so uh we have recorded these a bit in advance so it's a little bit of time for us before we get to four but for you guys watching the reviews or listening to the reviews and next week we will be here with john wick chapter four and we'll see what the new entry does what it's Mm -hmm. like and how it pays off the ending to uh part three um so i could be wrong on my dates but i think it was actually just released yesterday as of release of this video well it doesn't matter the point is is that it's next episode so it's still i'm just saying people (laughs) will know people the reviews will be out by now people can hear but don't listen to them listen to us only (laughs) don't complicate things the next episodes are review of john wick 4 that's all that matters fair enough right there's no co- confusing elements to that it's just next episode we talk about it that's that simple uh <laughs> so yes uh look forward to that and of course coming up after john wick uh, we're doing video game movies uh yeah. to tie into the new mario animated movie coming out so look forward to that uh that's coming soon and of course uh don't forget those bonus episodes and other things you can see over at patreon patreon.com slash tv at the three dollar tier you get a bonus episode every month where we do a movie that kind of either ties into the, the theme that we've got going on or at least uh feels like sort of similar enough like so for this month we did peppermint which is a sort of action revenge movie starring jennifer mm-hmm. garner so that's a bit looser of a connection than sometimes where it's more of like a spin-off movie or something that is like a direct-to-video kind of like tangentially related movie to the the franchise or whatever it is we'd be doing ballerina if we could uh well i don't think so no? You think that would just be a normal... I think that would just be in the, the theme. Yeah, that would just be a regular episode. Because it's too, it's, too t- it's too much of a high-profile movie coming out. Yeah, that's fair. You know? It's not quite the not quite the A-minus tier that we usually yeah. aim for. 
So, yeah, go check out that. And, of course, we also now have Collector's Cut Extra Reels at the $5 tier where we watch a So Bad It's Good, hopefully, anyway, So Bad mm. It's Good uh, movie and talk about that. Uh, we've done Deadly Prey. We've done Miami Connection. And for this month, uh, we, we did or are doing, depending on when it's released, uh, <laughs> Dangerous Men. So yep. uh, look out for those if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, plus, there's bonuses for other shows that we do, such as Streams After Midnight and the Atomic Cinema Experiment. So if you want to support your, so your support, help keep all the content coming, head over to patreon.com slash mailfuzztv and you can do all that over there. Uh, but you can also help us for free by simply liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications, make sure you're watching the stuff, uh, share it out on the Twitters or whatever social media platforms you use. Uh, all those things do help. And of course, giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, any of those things do help out a lot. So if you enjoy the show, uh, you know, do, do one, some, or all of those things. So You will be of service. You will have served. Yes, very good. So <laughs> that is the show. That is the Collector's Cut. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And um, yeah, I'm thinking I'm pissed off. I wish you said it like that at the end. That would have been funny. <laughs> yeah.